Man, thank you, Lord. Sometimes it's good just to be quiet for a while. You know, we live in such a world that <clears throat> we don't ever get quiet. We don't ever take time to just sit still. It's a great temptation to try to rush to the next thing in life and in church services. <laughs> so I appreciate that we have uh, the freedom to just kind of relax and just kind of go with the flow of what God's doing. Thank you for sharing that word, Casey. That was awesome. So um, I do have a word for you from the word today. If you want to open your Bible to Luke chapter 1, as promised, I am preaching a Christmas sermon this week. If you were here last, if you weren't here last week, I opened December with the last uh, sermon for right now on the warnings of Jesus. And, uh, but we're gonna move, we're gonna move to the Christmas account here and just kind of work through a little bit of it in Luke. We're going to start before Jesus was born. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when he, when the time came for the burning of, excuse me, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents or the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let me stop right there before we get to Zechariah's response, which is not good. <laughs> So we'll stop with it. We'll st stop before we get to the not good. You know, there, there's something amazing that happens when people are praying right outside your life. 
It says that all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I don't, I don't think that, that verse was included there just as like, yeah, we're just, we're just going through the motions. I think it was, it's specifically mentioning the details that were happening in this moment where Zechariah had an encounter with heaven. Everything changed for Zechariah in that moment. The rest of his life was different. First of all, he made it in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool right there. Uh, but the reason he made it in the Bible was because of the son that he was called to have. And it says that before this encounter with heaven, that him and his wife were childless. They were unable to have children. There was something physical in them. There was something that wasn't wasn't correct in their bodies where they weren't able to produce children. We don't know why that was or how that worked or what was going on. They didn't have ways to mess, to, to deal with that back then medically. And so they just desert, they probably just had decided our time is done and we get nieces and nephews and all the rest of the family and they probably were enjoying that and there was a, there was a longing in their heart for something that they had probably laid to die a long time ago. But there was somebody praying. There was somebody praying. You know, this Christmas season, I encourage you to find someone to pray for. I encourage you to find someone that you can be standing outside their life and you're praying for them. And who knows what's going to happen. Because it was an unexpected encounter with heaven that happened in that moment with Zechariah. Zechariah just thought, man, it's my turn. If you were here on Wednesday, Pastor Don did this amazing teaching on the timeline of Jesus and how it all fit together and how we can figure out when Zechariah was serving and, you know, the feast that was going on and all that stuff. And I can't repeat it all right now, first of all, because I don't remember at all, (laughs) all the details. But he was on the exact moment. I mean, he was, he was lined up. It says his, his time was up. His division was up. So they were serving for the week and he was chosen as the one that was, went into temp, the temple to go. Cause there was at this point, you know, so many priests going on that, you know, not all the priests were going on each turn. And so it was his turn. And so in the exact moment, in the exact moment that God knew throughout history, Whoever sends the angels from heaven said, now, now, now's the time. I gotta, I, give me a little liberty here. This is not in the Bible, but I gotta think that the angels were waiting. At some point, at least Gabriel, or is this Gabriel? <laughs> Just making sure I didn't mess that up. At some point, Gabriel had the instruction given, says, here's what you're going to do. And Gabriel's ready to go. When is that moment? Until, Until the father says, now. You know, whenever we're praying for somebody, whenever we're outside of someone's life praying, there is a moment... When God the Father says, now, now's the time. You know, 
there had been, uh, since from the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, I mean Malachi, you know, when you come to Jesus, you don't know how to say, what is it? I, hey, I listen to, uh, I just want to make a confession. I listened to Kanye West's uh, new album. Uh, never listened to that dude before. I don't know. If, I'm sure you're shocked. Um, and uh, it's pretty interesting, but uh, I love one of his lines. This is totally it's tangent here. He says, when, when I thought Job was a job, you know. In other words, when you don't know Jesus and you don't know the Bible, you don't know how to say anything in here. And so you need, you need someone to help you sometimes. So I just want to let you know it's not Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, in fact. Okay? And so from the time of Malachi to the time of the New Testament is 400 years, roughly, give or take a few. And during that 400 years, there's not much happening with, with heaven and earth. You know, it's called, it's actually called the 400 silent years because there was, there was no prophets. There was, there was nobody speaking for God. It's like, you know, Malachi was done and he had all this amazing stuff. And what did Malachi say right at the end of his book, right at the end of Malachi, he prophesies and says, I'm going to come basically. And I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And boom, then God's silent for 400 years. And it's amazing that when the now time shows up, God picks up right where he left off. Because what's going to happen? John the Baptist is going to be born, and he's going to what? <laughs> he's going to ha- turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. <laughs> so there's a moment, there's always a moment when everything God has said and promised is the now time, is the go time, is the yeah time. We don't know when that moment is. Our job is to simply connect our hearts with heaven where we are standing outside. And of course, if you're a believer in Jesus, guess what? You're not outside the temple. You now are the temple. It says now you're, you're the temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of God. If you're not a believer in Jesus, guess what? You turn to Jesus, you become the temple of God himself. His very presence comes and dwells in you. You're now the holy place. And when you pray and when you are seeking God, when you are connecting with heaven, there is, there is an interaction that's going on that where I am interacting with the purposes and plans of God. And when those purposes and plans come to fruition, see the Holy Spirit knows the purposes and plans of God. He begins to stir them in our hearts. When you're stirred in your heart to pray for something by the Holy Spirit, know it's because of the purpose of God and it's the fulfillment of His desire on earth from heaven to earth. Well, there's something on here I might get to. (laughs) You just never know when the now time is. You never know when the now time is. And that's why we don't want to ever give up and say, oh man, it's just not going to happen. I've just, I've been praying for so long. And it's sometimes I know we, have you ever heard the phrase that we, we, we stop just one prayer short? Now God's not, not small enough that it, it's all dependent upon one person's prayer. It's like, oh, well, Chris didn't pray, so <laughs> can't do it. Uh, 
Dave, I was trying to get you there and you just, you just, you know, Monday gotcha and you just, you just, ah, it's a rough day at work and no prayer. You know what I mean? Uh, that probably never happens for Dave, but, or Chris. So just want to clear that up. <laughs> but it happens for me and it happens, you know, for a normal person, but it's not dependent, but, but man, what a privilege it is to participate in the fulfillment of the now time of something from heaven on earth. And so I encourage you, don't neglect what, what Jesus is calling you to. When he puts something on your heart, don't just say, man, it's just a good idea. No, maybe it's a God idea. Maybe it's, maybe it's something from heaven. Maybe there's a, there's a plan and a purpose of God that's being stirred up. And he always just stirs up people who are praying outside the situation. And then heaven comes to earth. The now time happens. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Alright. Let's not blame Zechariah here, okay? Because we know we can be like Zechariah. There's been nothing happening from heaven to earth for 400 years and he sees an angel and then he says, well, I don't, I don't really know if this is, how is this possible? What's gonna, you know, is this gonna happen? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You just don't understand the science. Gabriel, did you not go to science class? Okay. Like, it's over. <laughs> and then Gabriel's like, did you not go to Sunday school? <laughs> I know you know the Pentateuch. Have you ever heard of Abraham? I mean, that's, I mean, that probably Gabriel's thinking that. He didn't say that because he only says what he's supposed to say. Okay. So the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, just to clear that up, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true when? At their appointed time. It is an appointed time for a lot of things in life here. That we're, we're, you know, we're not the appointer. <laughs> we sometimes wish we were, but when it, when we get on the other side, we know why we're not. We realize that we didn't have all, we didn't have the big picture. We didn't have the perspective. We didn't have all the wisdom. We didn't have all the knowledge. And we turn back and we go, oh man, God. I mean, when God works in your life and something, you know, something takes a lot longer than you thought it should take. And then you finally get on the other side and you realize, God, I see why it needed to happen that way. You were so wise. You were so loving. You were so good. You're so amazing. So Zechariah is unable to speak. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, outside, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. In other words, normally this just takes a few minutes. You do your job, man, and then you come on out. Uh, when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What happens next, which we're not going to focus on this morning, uh, is this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel where? 
to Nazareth. So there's another, there's another now time that's happening. Gabriel gets all the action. I don't know how he got the one assigned to this, you know, thing, but he was probably very happy about this, uh, that he was the messenger then to come to Mary and, and Mary has a similar, res- a similar response to Zechariah, but it's, it's, there's one word that changes that's slightly different because the angel says, hey, you're going to have a child. And she says, I've, you know, I've never been with a man. Uh, it's not physically possible. It's not scientifically possible. It's not biologically possible right now for me to conceive. Uh, how, and she says this, how will this be? Zechariah said, how can this be? Or how, how can I be sure of this? Mary said, how will this be? In other words, the question was not whether it was going to happen. The question was, I don't know how this is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen, but I don't know how it's going to happen. You know, sometimes faith looks like that. You don't have it all figured out. You just go, okay, God, how will this be? How will this be? But I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm looking, I'm excited to see what it is, but I, I see in myself, I have, I am unable to produce what you are promising. I am unable for this to happen in this moment in my own strength. And so Mary was basically confessing her dependence upon something or someone else to make this happen. In other words, this can, I believe this is going to happen, but I am unable to do it on my own. That's a place of faith. When you find yourself in a place where you know you are unable to make it happen, but you're willing to trust God and say, okay, Lord, I know this is going to be, but I can't do it myself. There is nothing in me that's going to produce this. I have, I have no fruitfulness in myself. I have nothing to produce on my own unless you do something. And the angel, of course, says, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to do it. Summary. <laughs> It's the same response we get when we are responding to God in faith. We're like, how is this going to happen? He says, the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you. You're going to produce what you couldn't produce on your own. What is physically and humanly impossible is possible with the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God shows up, all things are possible. Why are all things possible? Because the Holy Spirit's there. All things are possible with him. If he's there, then all things are possible. You know, it's one of the reasons we always get in the presence of God at, uh, when we worship and we like to pray for people when we're in the presence of God because, because we're then aware of his presence and then the Holy Spirit is there because he's the one that has to produce something. Because on my own, I am unfruitful. I am barren on my own. But when I have the Holy Spirit connected to me, then I can produce something spiritually powerful, spiritually that's a blessing, something spiritual that's going to have an impact on my life and on someone else's life. So then Mary, it says Mary comes to visit Elizabeth. And this is, this is another message. We're, I'm not going to preach all of them today, I guess, but. <clears throat> We're on the way to preaching all of them, I think. Um, you know, Mary comes and shows up and, and greets, uh, Elizabeth, who has John the Baptist. She's six months pregnant, and it says that the baby leaps in her belly. You know, have you seen that, that thing, that meme, you know, 
that says, you know, an unborn child was the first to recognize Jesus on earth, you know. It's like, oh, that's so cool right there. Uh, if that's not a, a sign that a child in the womb is a person, I don't know what is. But uh, it says that, that John the Baptist responds in his mother's womb to Jesus in his mother's womb. Wow. I don't know. There's something, something cool going on right there. Then it says Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit because of her child responding to Jesus, uh, who is in Mary's womb. It's amazing. So Mary sings a song. Cause you know what? When the Holy Spirit comes, you sing songs. <laughs> you sing a song. So let's pick it up in verse 57. This is the rest of the John the Baptist that we're looking at today. Rather quickly. Uh, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, because that's what she did. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he's to be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Because they, they just didn't do that. They didn't venture out of the... Nowadays, we just venture out and make up all kinds of strange names for our kids and, you know, just put two products together, on, you know, on our counter and try to make a fun name out of it. But um, they, <laughs> then they made signs to, the, to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And so after 400 years... Of silence. There's a sound of heaven breaking forth on earth. And it's preparing the way for Jesus to come. Because that's, that's what John the Baptist was. His whole ministry is a, it was as a, as a forerunner that he would, he would come before and prepare the way. He would, he would make the path straight so that Jesus could come through and everybody could respond to him. As many people as possible could respond to Jesus when he came. And so even, even in his birth, John the Baptist was carrying out his ministry and calling on his life. So his father, Zechariah, it says, was then filled with the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist, I know that he said that the one after him would, would fill with the Holy Spirit, but there's a whole lot of people connected with John the Baptist. His parents get full of the Holy Spirit by the things that are happening that God's doing, and he's involved. So that's pretty cool right there. His father, Zechariah, is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Verse 68, if you're still in your Bible, I'm not looking at the screen, but praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the prophets long ago, salvation from enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham 
to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. He then begins to prophesy over his own son, which is so beautiful, uh, his unborn child, because he's full of the Holy Spirit. He begins to declare the uh, the calling and the future of John the Baptist, his own son. And so Zechariah goes from one who hardly believes God who, to one who is declaring the future of God over his own son and in, you know, with great accuracy and uh, great passion. And it says at the end, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Uh, we don't know what age he went out there, uh, but early on, pretty early on, Zechariah and Elizabeth realized, hey, he's, he doesn't belong just to us. Uh, have you all realized that? You got kids, they don't belong just to you. Don't, don't make them your, your idol. Don't make them everything about your life because they, they don't belong just to you. They, they belong, they belong to Jesus. And, uh, we, we want, of course, what Jesus wants for their lives. But sometimes it's not funnest for us when God calls them to something and you're like, well, can't they, you know, uh, why is he going out in the wilderness? <laughs> well, the Spirit is calling him out there. And he's going to come back with power. So you just never know. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with your kids. What I was going to preach on um, <laughs> was this verse 68. And I'm just going to highlight it really quickly as we close. Because uh, my wife mentioned this phrase like six times when she was praying this morning. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we definitely need to get there. It says, praise be to the, the verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and he has redeemed them. You know, redemption is such a powerful thing. When, when Jesus came, he, he came to bring, to redeem us from an empty way of life. He came, he came to redeem us from being slaves of sin. He came to redeem us from being uh, in bondage to a different father, uh, the devil. He came to redeem us from, from uh, our destiny that was headed for darkness and hell. And in this moment, Zechariah begins to declare that redemption. It's the first thing he says. Uh, it's also later on, the same word is used in Luke 2.38, when Anna shows up, when Jesus is presented at the temple, this woman named Anna who's uh, who lost her husband at a young age and stayed at the temple and was just worshiping God, it says she declared uh, that this is the child that we were looking forward to for the redemption uh, of the people of God. And so the word there, redeemed, is the word litrosis in Greek which means redemption or liberation. The words that are connected to it mean this, to loose, to release, to ransom, to be a liberator, or to be a redeemer. You know, part of the power of redemption is that Jesus liberates us from everything that held us back in the past. You know, in Hebrews 9 and verse 12, I got this scripture guy. I'm going to read it really quickly. Hebrews 9 and 12 says that we were redeemed. He did not enter, Jesus did not enter by the means of 
the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, eternal liberation, eternal freedom, eternal deliverance. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says this, for you know that it was not with such perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers or your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In order for a lamb to die, though, the lamb first had to be born. And he was born with a mission, and his mission was redemption. He was on a liberation mission. From the time that Jesus breathed, you know, actually from the time that Jesus was conceived, he was working towards one thing, the redemption of human beings. And so this season, when you see someone that looks unredeemable, <laughs> When you see someone who looks like, oh, golly, why do they exist? Let's not pretend we don't think that sometimes, okay? Somebody that's unlovable, someone that's hateful, someone that's whatever turns you off. Just know that Jesus was conceived to redeem them. If we can get that this Christmas, we had a good Christmas. We've had a good Christmas season. If I can view somebody else through the desire of Jesus to bring redemption in their life, to liberate them, rather than seeing them as an enemy to stand against, I get to see them as a prisoner who I get to participate in their liberation and freedom. I get to be one who can pray outside their life and say, God, I don't even like this person, but I pray. Teach me to pray for them. Let me get your heart for them. Let me, let me, let me get your eyes for them. Let me, let me receive something that's different than my own flesh because I can't produce this on my own. Once again, you're not going to produce it on your own. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that produces this affection in your heart. Because when you're connected with heaven, your affections change. The things you desire change. The way you feel actually can change. Because I'm connecting myself to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on earth. He is at work redeeming things. So if you think something's been lost or broken, he says, look, I'm going to get that back. I'm going to rescue that. I'm going to bring freedom in that area. I'm going to bring liberation. I have paid the ransom. I have paid the ransom. Jesus already paid it. Doesn't matter what anybody is doing. Doesn't matter what anybody's gonna do. Doesn't matter what anybody's done. You can say, hey, Jesus already paid for that sin. Jesus already paid for that sin. So when you see that person who's going crazy, you're like, man, Jesus, I thank you that you've already, you've already taken care of that. You have already taken care of that. You've paid it forward in the biggest pay it forward ever. Jesus, you have brought and let me connect my heart with your redeeming heart of love for a world that's going astray and has gone astray. And so this Christmas, I pray that you would experience a fresh 
revelation of the redemptive love and power and work of God in your life. And may you see it at work in those all around you, whether that's a family member, whether that's a friend, whether that's a neighbor, whether that's a coworker that you can't stand, whoever it may be, that the redemptive work of Jesus, because he wants to redeem, he wants to bring redemption in those situations. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, I just invite you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put someone on our hearts. Holy Spirit, put someone on our hearts. Lord, I, I believe this is, this is a word from you. Lord, it came up in my spirit as we were praying this morning. Lord, that, uh, Lord, we are to stand outside people's lives and we're going to pray. And so I just pray for every single person in here, Lord, that we would just, we would just have that revelation, whether it begins now and you begin to unfold who it is, or maybe it's a small group of people, whatever it may be, Lord, show us this week, Lord, if it's not in this moment, Lord, that we're gonna run into that person and, and you're just gonna spark something in our, heart, our hearts and, and you're gonna say, there they are, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one right there, they're the one. And God, we're, we know that if it's birth, in your heart, then you have a purpose and a plan and a mission that you're on. And so we thank you, Lord, that we get to partner with your mission of redemption, Lord, on this earth. And so we say, Jesus, fill us freshly with your Holy Spirit, that we might have your affection for people around us, that we might have your affection for those who are unlovable, that we might have your affection for those that are really super fun and we love to be around. Lord, every single person, we want to have your vision and your perspective and your eyes and your feelings, Lord, so that we might participate in what heaven is doing on earth. Because that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about heaven coming to earth and bringing liberation liberty and freedom, God. So we thank you for that. Help us live free in that joy, in that freedom, Lord, this season. Lord, let us not get caught up in something that would drag us away from you. Jesus, we love you. And we choose to set our hearts on you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.